0: lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies for my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try it at home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You Ready? last day of the brain area talk, but definitely not last day of brain talk, because if you've listened to any episode, I'm always talking about the brain. So we are going to jump into the reptilian brain (laughs) known as the brain's jam. So if you've listened to the two uh, prior episodes, we've talked about the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system, we talked about the brain developing from the bottom up and from the back to the front. So the brainstem, what we're talking about today was one of the first to develop. Then it goes into the limbic area and central part of the brain. And then last to develop is the prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking brain, meaning biologically how you respond to things, especially around fear and danger and safety is from our brainstem first Um, limbic area first. And then last is the thinking brain. So we act more uh, with emotion and feeling before we act with logic and reason. And we can train our brain to act more logically and reasonably, but naturally that's how we develop naturally. That's how the sequence defaults when it is processing, whatever it is that is processing. So this oldie, <laughs> the reptilian brain, oldest part of the brain. Um, it is responsible for all the vital respiratory and cardiac functions. It also acts as the information vehicle to the spinal cord. So basically, if we removed the brainstem, we would cease to exist. <laughs> so, super important, super wired for our survival and our being, which is crazy and crazy important. So let's jump into this a little bit more, and then we'll talk about the importance of it around emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that is super impulsive. It it acts without thinking. And again, that's because in survival world, we need to just react and respond and make a quick decision, whether it's fight, flight, freeze, fawn, uh, but we have to make the decision to make it quickly without too much thinking in order to remain safe. So that is why that brain becomes, that part of the brain becomes so reactionary and impulsive. Quick response. So within the brain stem area, There are three pieces of information we're going to talk about, and the first of which is the midbrain. So it's the widest and most superior segment of the brainstem, and this starts to develop when the baby is um, still in the embryonic stage, which is a little wild. I think how small the baby is and the brainstem is starting to develop, which means that when that part of the brain is rapidly growing, if the baby is exposed to toxins, say um, environmental pollutants or stress from the mother, because the baby's still in utero, it impacts the brainstem and especially impacts the midbrain part of the brainstem. So high stress levels of mom can and often does equal impulsive um, reactionary brain of child. So child that's developed with like a maybe underdeveloped part of of that brainstem area. And then therefore is more impulsive and and less likely to think with rationality first. So here's a fun fact. (laughs) Oh, it's brain fun facts. The midbrain is a key component in hearing and alertness and sleep-wake cycles. So think about this. If if that part of the brain is responsible for those areas and those areas are developing at certain critical periods of time, if the disruption of that gets, if, if the, the development of that gets disrupted, like we just talked about with stress or other toxins, then sometimes some of those areas get disrupted. So Maybe a child doesn't sleep well or their sleep wake cycles are off because of the lack of development there or toxin exposure. That's not all. The brainstem also has the pons area, which is called like, I would call it like the relay station because it's responsible for passing sensory information between the front brain and the cerebellum. I'm going into little sciencey terms here, but um, the, the point of which you need to know is it, it's like a bridge. And it's like a sensory hub. So it's responsible for hearing and taste and touch and pain and even facial sensations. And its responsibility is to kind of balance the positioning of, of head and body. So it's important for things that we need to eat, like chewing, or even like maybe some of the foods that we would maybe suck, or like even drinking sucking water, yeah, because it relieves or it receives that stimuli from like the facial areas and the teeth so that information shared that's why it's really important to incorporate like i talk about this a lot but um, like chewing crunchy chewy foods or different sucking activities Um, so i even said like if, if kids can suck like applesauce or yogurt applesauce applesauce or yogurt up through a straw. It's harder to eat, and that really works on those areas of the mouth and therefore the brain. And it can be really sensory regulating. So definitely good to use during stressful times. But even better to just use as a preventative measure and incorporate into kids' diet so that they can stay more balanced and more neutral. And by doing this, you're kind of doing exercise for this area of the brainstem, and it will grow, get stronger, and it will reduce those impulse control needs and issues. So unfortunately, you're not really going to be able to see, I mean, you're going to see the behavior change, you're not going to be able to see the growth unless we do a brain scans. So there's not a, an easy way to measure this, but... Um, there's a lot of research behind it and it certainly can't hurt kids to suck and chew. And I will say too, sidebar here is James Nestor wrote a book and released it in April of like 2021. And it's, I believe it's called breath, but it talks all about breathing and how we, we as a society breathe through our mouths, but we should be breathing through our nose. And if you have listened to previous episodes of mine, I've talked a lot about breathing and, and how We use it for, we we should use it for regulating both reactively and preventatively and how it's that slow out breath through probably the nose, but maybe the mouth, but that slow out breath that really activates the side of the nervous system that neutralizes and calms us. So making sure to really take slow breaths because we breathe pretty fast. The other thing is, and this is how it correlates to James Nestor's uh, research and work is that he talks about how our diet has softened, the foods we eat are softer. And we used to you know, think hunter gatherers, You we were eating like berries and chewing on things and like tough meats. And anymore we are eating um, cooked down vegetables or think about like a lot of the processed food, it's all soft. Therefore our, our mouth is shrinking in size because it's not getting the work it used to get, but our, our teeth are not. So our teeth are not fitting in our mouth So there's mouth doesn't have room for our teeth, which um, makes us breathe through our mouth more. And we really want to be breathing through our nose more. In fact, some of the ancient societies or even Native Native Americans, I believe, do this. I think the Indian, Native American and Indian societies both do this, more spiritual societies seem to have um, access to this information or just spiritually know it because when their young children are sleeping and their mouths open they close the mouth so they'll watch the child and as the mouth opens just take fingers and softly close the baby's mouth and they're training the baby to sleep with the mouth closed and breathe through the nose which is absolutely fascinating to me uh but a lot of if you watch babies will be sleeping with their mouth open or i know a lot of young people that have like pre-sleep apnea symptoms and that's that's mouth breathing while you're sleeping your mouth gets dried out and uh, you struggle to breathe or you stop breathing or you're breathing on and off but so 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 important that we breathe through our nose more frequently and especially at night so sidebar there but really interesting information if you want to learn more definitely read james Nestor's james Nestor's book all right back to the step um oh so many fun science facts my brain holds such interesting information and i probably read too much about the brain but the third area of the brain stem is the medulla medulla oblongata medulla oblongata say that three times fast i almost couldn't say it one time (laughs) i have read about this i talked about it so many times so i'm not going to say it three times fast but you go ahead and have your fun this is the lower half of the brainstem and it controls all of the involuntary functions of the body like breathing, blood pressure, heart rate, and it connects the spinal cord to the higher levels of the brain. This is important. That's why it has such a cool name, and why it's so hard to say. <laughs> it's um, where uh, you know coughing and vomiting and sneezing and swallowing come from. <laughs> but some of those things we need so really important and again that's why things like humming and singing and and that sucking and swallowing are important and can be very regulating Um, so even if you're not singing if you can like hum or sing along something even in the shower it's really 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 regulating Uh, or even just like blowing on stuff like blowing on balloons or um not sure what else you would blow on, but if there's anything that you can blow into or blow on, that, that will help you. So do more of that. <laughs> Long, slow, in and out breath. But those are the three areas. The uh, midbrain, the pons, and the medulla, oblongata, And they all play a vital role in our regulation and emotional control and then just our, our body's ability to function. So they're important. And they're important for us to know, again, because as those areas develop, they really impact our emotional regulation. Okay. So how is the brainstem involved in processing emotions and therefore um, behaviors that come from that? So emotions are highly, highly, highly dependent on the networks that regulate alertness and involuntary functions and motor and sensory controls, AKA the brainstem. So the brainstem, the nodes in the brainstem play a crucial and vital role in all of these different networks. Therefore, the brainstem plays a critical role in emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that will help make people, especially kids, because it's still developing, more alert more conscious, more aware of their surroundings based on all of these sensory signals that come in through the brain. So if you've got a child who's got like lack of spatial boundaries or lack of self-awareness, that's probably a good indication that their brainstem is a little underdeveloped. They should be doing things to grow and strengthen the brainstem. The brainstem automatically responds to these various biological needs that we have without even thinking. That's why it's that impulsive reactive part of the brain. And again, that was important for us to have years ago um, when we, and even today, <laughs> so we still have it, uh, when we were, our safety was in jeopardy. We need to outrun predators and different animals and all these things. We needed that to have an automatic response and we needed our heart rate to go up and we needed our blood pressure to um, do all these things to, to put us in this heightened state of alertness to flee or fight or whatever it may be. Um, or maybe it was the opposite where <laughs> we were um, freezing, but either or, this played a vital role in our safety and it, it still does today. And that really connects to and impacts emotional regulation. So, if your kiddos think they're in danger or you, even if it's not like physical danger, even if it's psychological danger, or even if they perceive they're in psychological danger, their brainstem kicks into gear to save them and hello impulsive reactive responses that we typically don't like because their responses as young children aren't as rational so they are not as easy to deal with and and they are uh, unlike us where we may have had more practice in responding uh impulsively with better choices but we can't necessarily always blame them because again, these are just reactions of the body. They're not necessarily conscious choices. So keep that in mind as you're getting frustrated with behavior. It may not be necessarily a conscious choice. I Maybe mean, when a child flees a classroom, we talk about like, they're just escaping, and we just want to stop them from escaping. And it's unsafe. Well, there's something driving them out. And we need to figure out what, why would the child run out of the classroom? What are they trying to get away from? What makes them feel unsafe? You know, what, what is it that they are trying to escape? Not just stopping the behavior, but finding the root cause of it. So I find it interesting that we can't fully control these behaviors because they are sometimes and often involuntary acts, but the good news is you can train your brainstem and limbic areas because those are in- two, um, connected areas, two very closely connected areas that work together to self regulate. And then there's a far better chance that your kiddos will be able to stay neutral longer and be able to control their emotional uh, states and reactions. So how, how do we do that? How do we strengthen that area? Things like touch movement, exercise, breathing, and doing it in response to those heightened times, but also, um, preventatively. And I talk about this a lot too with adults, like human touch, especially right now, we're not getting a lot of it and it's so regulating. So hugging people or self massage or hiring someone to get a massage. I mean, Groupon's a great place to get cheap massages. So take advantage of that, (laughs) but there are lots of ways to do this. Um, exercise, that can be a free one. I mean, there's so many, there's so many options for content on, on media and and YouTube and their apps. So making sure that we're getting time to move and then also breathing another free one, just taking time to practice breath work. And there's so many fun ways to breathe. There's so many types of breathing techniques out there. I mean, are wonderful people that study this and share their knowledge with us. James Nestor, Wim Hof is another great resource for breathing. So many wonderful things. And I would say that a guy named Aaron Alexander talks a lot about the body and alignment and movement, and it would directly correlate to addressing areas of the brainstem. So queuing into his podcast or reading his book, but these are all great resources and they all work on growing and strengthening the brainstem. So let's go to today's listener question, which is, what are some good strategies I can use in my classroom or the home for a proactive approach to social, emotional, intelligence, literacy, learning, whatever it may be? The first of which I would say is, it's interesting because this question, I always I put these questions in here before I develop the content and it's just because it's easier and it gets the, the last part of the podcast uh, done and I laugh because it's like the universe knows exactly where I'm going with this. And the questions almost always relate to the content. It's just ironic because my answer is going to directly tie to the brainstem. Okay. So self-regulation, that's what I would do. That's what I would teach and I would model it. So I would, for transitions, uh, little moments in the day where we, we have breaks or pause, I would teach and model self-regulation techniques, breathing, movement, touch, Uh, progressive muscle relaxation. It's something I talk about in a different podcast episode, sensory integration, all of these things can be utilized during transitions or during downtime. And, or I can model those things too, when I'm getting overwhelmed or frustrated or anxious, or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, transitioning between lessons or movement I'm returning from lunch or recess. So I'm constantly modeling and like micro teaching these regulatory practices. So that one's huge. I also integrate things that grow and strengthen the prefrontal cortex. So yoga, stretching, meditation, mindfulness. And again, we've talked about this in previous episodes is these things don't have to be independent lessons. They can be micro lessons that I teach in a minute or two or three, I just model them because by modeling them the brain of others the mirror neurons gonna see it and replicate it it gets stored and the more I practice it and the more I model it in front of them without even asking them to do anything more likely it's gonna be stored into memory system and be able to be pulled out and utilized later but I mean there are so many quick and easy mindfulness activities like there, there's the five four three two one and I don't remember the sequence but it's like five five, five things you can see right now in the room four things you can touch Three things you can smell, or whatever you know the sequence is, and I'm not I'm not sure that the it it matters which one is the five, four, three, two, one. But if you think about it, um, it's definitely a little easier to like see five things. You might want to do that one for five and four. Like what are four things you can touch? If you say smell five things, it might be a little bit harder to to do. But um, that's just something that you can do to transition, like as kids are transitioning or um, like visually scanning the room. I mean even Even a panoramic view, if you can go to a window or have kids go to a window and they can like look outside and see, and if you're in a city, this is going to be hard, but a panoramic view or putting something up in the room that has a panoramic view, because that visual like scanning makes us feel safe because it makes us feel like we're at a higher vantage point and we're at a higher vantage point. We feel safer because we can see what's below us. We can see uh, what is, um, you know, biologically, what might've been down there trying to get us. So these things are all very regulating. Lots and lots of options there. There are fun kids, mindfulness, meditation, and yoga activities that we can integrate that do not take much time at all. And I talk more about some of these things in in past episodes, and we'll be talking about them in the future as well. All right, to wrap up our show, I'm going to talk to you about our try-at-home tip, which is 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day with a child of like direct, intentional, uninterrupted, attention is all they really need. Actually, it's only nine minutes, Um, but nine minutes, at least 10 minutes would be even better, more minutes, even better, but at least nine to 10 minutes of direct attention a day. And that will help to build their regulatory systems, their emotional regulation systems, relationship attachment bonds. So, you know, as we go through our days, we're like, ah, time is so scarce and so much to do. Block in your calendar at some point, morning, afternoon, evening, before bed, 10 undevoted, um, or sorry, 10 devoted undivided, is what I meant to say, minutes. And no phones, no tech, no, just like full attention on child every day, 10 minutes. I think there are like 1,440 minutes in a day. Don't call me on that. 10 minutes is a very small piece of that day to... To carve out. So my, my ask for you is to, if you have to block it in your calendar, like 10 minute time, or whatever you want to call it, but 10 minutes of undivided attention every single day for and to, and with your kiddo or kiddos. So that is it for today's episode of returning to us podcast. And don't forget our try it at home tip 10 minute time. And if you'd like me to answer any of your questions on a future show, email me at the podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or send a text to 717-693-7744. And I'm going to ask you to to lock in what you learned right away, to keep it in your brain and really (laughs) send it to your memory system by leaving comment or a review with your biggest takeaway or your next action step. what did you learn today? What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to go with it? How does it impact your life? And that reflection on it will help you to store it. So until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thanks for joining me.